You're listening to Infertility Bites, a catharsis podcast. Infertility Bites, but it bites a little less when you're not alone. My name is Casey, and I am blessed to be joined, as always, by my co-captain in this journey, my wife, Sarah. Hello. On this series, we talk about our experiences dealing with infertility. It's important to note, however, that we are not doctors or even experts, just people that understand how difficult it can be. Each person's journey is going to be unique, like a fingerprint, so it's best to leave the medicine to the professional. On this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about statistics. Last week, we talked about the difficulties we faced in getting a diagnosis, the runaround with doctors in our hometown in central Nebraska, but this week, we're going to take a slight detour from our story to talk more about infertility. Um, apparently, this week was World Childless. I'd never World heard of it. Childless Week, I should say. Um, and... And that's why we're going to take a little bit of a break from our story. We don't fall under that category. We were successful, and um, there are probably a lot of people listening to this who don't have that ability to say that yet. So we're going to focus a little on that. What we kind of want to talk about is some statistics about infertility that a lot of people might not know. Um, The biggest one uh, is one in eight couple, approximately one in eight, are affected by infertility in the United States. Like I said, that's about 6.7 million people each year who are having trouble conveying. Um, well, I mean, when just when people found out that we were going through IVF, that's when I would learn about people that had either done an IUI or just had had problems. And I mean, it was like, but no one talked about it until everyone knew our story about it. And then it was like, oh, hey, my friend, they tried for nine years and then finally they had a kid and it was like oh okay so there's a lot of people you just feel like you're all alone yeah. so that's that's why i think that's an important statistic to talk about is because when going through infertility you feel alone a lot yes you feel like you're the only people in the world who it's going and understanding that in the united states alone there's probably about 6.7 million other people feeling exactly the same as in one way or another um, and that's just the United States. The statistics outside the United States are probably relative. Um, so that's a lot of people in this world who are struggling um, and looking for answers and feeling alone and feeling like they can't talk to him. And that's why we created this podcast is to let people know that you can talk about it. You can talk to other people who are dealing with it. You can talk to people who've been through it. You can, like we always say, you can send us your story. Even if you're not ready for it to be public to your friends and family yet, send it to us. Say you want to be anonymous. We're more than happy to do that. Uh, But to get your story out there, because just getting it out there tends to help a lot. You don't feel quite so alone. But but one in eight, that means you go to Walmart (laughs) and you look around and one in eight couples are probably struggling. So you see a person walking down down the aisle, and there's a one in eight chance that they're struggling uh, and, and not telling anyone. And that's, that's why it's kind of important to keep that in mind is because it's not as uncommon as, you know, in one of the first episodes I mentioned uh, how we got so tired of doctors saying stuff like real infertility is rare. Um, and I know what they were meaning. They're meaning from a diagnostic standpoint, 100% inability to have a baby is rare, but there are lots of 90% yeah. and 95% and and even 75% or 65% um, that makes it a lot more common to think. Um, and there's even other ways. There's, there's people who are struggling with infertility in a way that 
Sarah and I didn't have to with. And that's, we're talking about same-sex couple. It's not technically infertility, but it, they still go through yeah. most of the same struggles that... Just knowing that it's not we, gonna... Because they have to go through... Yeah, they have to go through something. You know, medical help uh, and and all of that, just like, just like IVF patients have to. So one in eight couple are struggling. They say Mother Nature herself has only about a 20% per month success rate. That means uh, out of... A hundred women, fertile, 30-year-old women, in any given month, only about 10, 20 of them will be successful in their attempts to get pregnant. And yep. the other 80 will continue to try again the next month. Well, I mean, if you even just month. think about it, you know, if you're ovulating, you're only waiting for a certain amount of time. And even then, it's when you're, you know, it's just, it's really super crazy if you actually just think about it, so... They also, and, and this statistic is kind of debated, I've heard, but 35 years is where they say the average age for females when their fertility begins to show a decline. Uh, and that's about what what our doctor told us, but I, uh, like I said, I, I hear there's a little bit of debate on that. But that that's still at least worth keeping in mind that um, you could have been perfectly capable of having a baby in, in your 20. You, there are many cases of secondary infertility where they had a kid when they were 25, 26, 27, and then in their 30s, they decided to, to try for another one and struggle and struggle and struggle and can't. So, um, so those are always things to keep in mind. And with women uh, being able to focus more on careers nowadays, uh, that's forced a lot of women to push back the desire for a baby, to hold back on it so they could establish. Because well, the simple fact is, having a baby is expensive even without... Well, inf- and no offense, I've always thought this. Even today in this society, I, I even feel like that women, just because they can have babies, they're not going to get very high in the business, wherever company you work for. Because especially if they know you would like to have a kid, it's like they know that that's your... I mean, no offense, still is my priority. I mean, uh, and I even at my last job, I felt like I would, I would tell people before we had gone through all the infertility how I was like, I want to have kids. And then, you know, I never was moving up. There was always a part of me that I just wondered, well, I wonder if that had something to do with it. Because they know that when you, ha- you know, got kids or when you're pregnant, you miss a lot of work. And, you know... I'm just, that's how I always have felt, that that will always work against you until you were with out of that childbearing age, basically. And even more than that, you know, in your in your early 20s, that's when men establish themselves in their jobs. Um, mm-hmm. And previously in American culture, that's when we went to, to start the household. Um, and they're and they're not doing that well, anymore. And financially, they, and they, people can't. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Uh, women women need to work. You know, I'm Sarah and I both have full time jobs and uh, more or less live paycheck to paycheck because it would be impossible for us to support our family with just one of us. Um, and and even more than that, I mean, it's 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 unfair for us to expect the woman to just go at home and and raise the family. But that means they've been putting off, putting off having the kids until later and later, um, which is probably affecting this a lot. Um, there's also what they call the 30-30-10 rule. And effectively what that means is, uh, on average, 
30% of the cases of infertility are attributed solely to the female, 30% solely to the male, 30% a combination of both both partners, and then 10% that they never know exactly. And that 10% is probably more frustrating than anything, it's just not known how. We were lucky that we kind of, between the PCOS and uh, your swimmers, to put it yep. nicely, we, we got the gist of what our problem was. And so at least there, we, the doctors, you can go and you can start making a plan. But if you don't have any clue, I mean, gosh, my heart goes out to people. And I belong to a couple of Facebook groups and when people literally say that the doctors can't figure it out, I mean, I mean, my heart breaks for them because it's like you, you don't know what to do. I mean, you just want to say go to a different doctor and hope that they can see something that the other one missed. But yeah. the, the part of that that I want to point out, because um, on some of the infertility Facebook groups that I'm a part of, uh, I noticed that the vast majority of the people posting in are women. Um, and I, and I kind of think it's sad. And I think a lot of it has to do with this mentality that a lot of men have just by their nature that fertility is the problem. But I want to point out there that 30, 30, 30, 10 rule means that 60% of the time the man is at least partial. 60%. Um, so like I said on the last one, if you and your significant other are struggling, um, getting the man tested is the east thing. It, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward, but it is super simple and uh, can help you in the road so much faster than some of the more invasive tests that the woman would have to do. And I know those are going to have to be done one way or but I mean, yeah. it's it's simple, guys. I, it's, I, just, I just feel like guys just always assume it's just never them. I mean... They do. <laughs> um, just like how it is that well, they don't just determine the, the sex of the child, yeah, which they which do. They do. <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of it comes down to this whole toxic masculinity where men uh, can't admit to ever being part of the problem, can't admit to, to have weakness. And the simple fact is there are a lot of things that can cause, to use my wife's term, the swimmers to not swim as fast or as good or not to have as many of them. And diet and exercise and testosterone can play into it. You know, men, as they get older, their testosterone starts to go down. That can play into it. Um, you can have hormonal imbalances at, at younger ages that can cause uh, low sperm count or low mood. There's a lot of those things. But in the end, the important thing I just want to say is a, a man getting tested for most of this stuff is really simple. And to be blunt, it's doing something that the men are probably already doing at some point. It's just doing it productive. Like I say, yes, it's awkward. It was especially awkward in Carney. We were. Um, I went into it on the last episode about the awkwardness uh, there. But if you happen to live uh, in a city that's got fertility clinics, um, it's it's awkward in a different way, but it's super simple. The, the simple fact is the clinic that we went to here in Omaha They've got a whole section set aside for semen analysis. It, there's a lot of confidentiality and privacy to it. You go in and they've got separate rooms set up that are all clean. And they've got magazines and DVDs. And they give you all the privacy and all the time you want to do it. It's awkward and I'll tell stories later about how awkward it can be. But it's, it's doing something that your husband is probably already whether you um, whether he's doing a shower in the morning or late at night after your sleep or whatever, 
it's it's a normal thing for him to do and to have him do it in a productive way to get tested if there's something that he can do because there are there are drugs that a guy can take to increase their count there are uh, drugs that can be given to help increase motility um, there are supplements that can help pose it. Um, we were to a position where they felt it was probably past that for us, and that's why they moved us straight to IVF. But for a lot of people, taking these drugs, taking these supplements can can help cause help cure or at least cause the sperm counts and motility to increase enough that they're able to get pregnant without having to go all the way. So basically what he's saying is get the guys tested first. Get that out of the way. Yeah, it's a simple I mean, test. I mean, if you go to a, a good clinic, they're going to recommend it immediately anyways, but it's just, and, trust and me, the women get the worst into this, so make sure it's not him. Or at least, if it is, then they're, we got that figured out, and then you can move on. And the simple fact is, guys, I've, I've been sitting in that waiting room with other guys, and there's this embarrassed look on guys' face, this puppy look on, on guys' face. You don't need to have that. We're all there for the same thing. We all just I want a baby. And uh, there's no shame Screaming, in... pooping, loving, giggly baby. And there's, there's no shame in asking for help. And there's no shame in, in seeing if you need some extra help. Um, no one's going to judge you. The, the other guys in that waiting room aren't looking at you going, oh, I bet his swimmers are bad. Because guess what? They're there for the same reason. So do it. It's simple. Get um, Now, here's the statistic that's really nice to see. Though. Nearly 90% of infertility are treatable with medical therapy. Whether you're talking drug, surgical repairs, or assisted reproductive technique. Um, 90% of them, they can find to treat it and get you pregnant. In that's actually higher than I thought. I thought it would be like 60 to 70. Now, that doesn't mean success rate. Yeah. But that means 90% of them, if you can get diagnosed, they can come up with a treatment plan that, again, increases still getting getting you up to Mother Nature's standard of 20%. Um, but it still is, is a good thing. And so there are always going to be exceptions. But if you're trying, um, get help. You know, get help doing it. Infertility is defined as inability to produce a baby one year of unprotected sex. Um, I know way too many people who waited to start talking to doctor till three years, four years, five years because they were embarrassed or, or shy or thought that it, there was something wrong with them. And we've talked about our problems and our problems lasted six years. Uh, but a lot of it, we'd already gone to a doctor. A lot of it was just based on the fact that regular doctors don't yeah. know what's going on. And, and so if you're if you're struggling with infertility and you're just talking to a general practitioner or even an OBGYN, uh, ask to see a special. Or if you just don't like your doctor and you don't think they're listening, I mean, try to find a different one. I wish I would have thought of that. I mean, because I knew I was always upset that I didn't think my gynecologist was listening to me because eventually I started asking friends about my symptoms and they're like, no, we don't have, you know... Because, I mean, my cycle was just all over the place. And all my friends were like, nope, it's pretty regular. I don't have that problem. And everyone I was talking to, they all had kids. So it was kind of a, you know, you can look back and get frustrated at yourself that I'm like, I should have just seen a different. So my recommendation, if you don't like yours and you don't think they're listening, potentially go see a new doctor. Because what harm can it do? Yeah. 
But like you say, is, is I think the big thing is if you've been trying for a year, talk to a doctor. If you've been trying for more than a year and talking to a doctor, try to get a, uh, another doctor, especially. You don't necessarily have to go all the way up to an RE, uh, reproductive endocrinologist, right away. But they're going to be the ones who know how to help you the best. And, you know, it's it's like if you've got a problem with your Honda Civic, sure, you could probably take it to the general repair guy down the street, and he can probably the problem. Uh, but if you take it to him, and he doesn't fix the problem, and then he doesn't fix the problem, and he can't fix it for months, right? You take it to a Honda de- and let the Honda guy look at it. Because it's a problem the Honda guy is going to know how to deal. Like how you reference this into a car problem. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing with this. An RE is going to know a lot more about reproductive health than Well, how long did it take the doctor here in Omaha to diagnose me? I think less than five minutes. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. We'll get to that exact conversation. But, you know, Sarah exhibited symptoms for a long time. And none of the doctors in Kearney diagnosed her with it. And we come into the doctor here in Omaha, and she looked at our chart. And she might have looked at our chart beforehand and all of that stuff and read up on it. But she looked at her chart. She talked to us. She looked at Sarah. She did kind of a brief examination of Sarah and said, I think I know. The good news is I think I know the main problem here. We're going to go do a test to confirm it. And did a test. Well, it was just an ultrasound to see if I had... Cyst, yep. and guess what? And it confirmed I have it. Plenty of them. So, so that's an important thing. That it simply comes down to, if you're having problems and a doctor's not taking you serious, and find another. Um, you know, there are a lot of other things that can affect uh, fertility. Uh, you know, 35% of them have some sort of tubal factor. That could be endometriosis. That could be uh, blocked tubes from an infection. Uh, things that's like that. That's kind of what we talked about last week. Where. Mm-hmm making sure that there was nothing in the tubes blocking. Yep. Another 25% are problems with ovulation, which was really what the, was at the heart of our problem with yeah. uh, Sarah's PCOS. It was affecting me to ovulate at all. Um, yeah, she basically she said I could go like months without actually ovulating, even though I should be, but I wouldn't actually be doing anything. Um, a thing that... Uh, definitely could help us those of you who know us know we're both larger people and they say a weight loss of just as little as five to ten percent may dramatically improve ovulation and pregnancy and you know that's something that probably could have helped us in if we would have known in advance so um there are other things i mean i could go through a bunch of more statistical couple pages uh printed out on statistics but i want to move on to some some statistics that are less about uh, uh, infertility itself or about treating and that's insurance cover. Um, many of you listening to this um, if you've been dealing with infertility you know insurance it can be a nightmare because many insurances don't cover infertility yep um, in fact only 18 states out of the 50 in the United States have an insurance mandate to offer coverage for infertility 18 out of 50. We happen to live in one of the states that does not. So all of our coverage was out of pocket. Now you can find insurance in states that don't mandate it, that cover it. But A, it's rare, uh, sometimes expensive. Um, And since most people get insurance through their jobs, 
uh, that makes it even tougher because if you're getting your insurance through your job, you really don't have a say in your insurance. It's just, here's the yep. insurance. And so we had insurance that didn't cover it. Um, if you're fortunate enough to live in one of those 18 states, there's still some things that you'll have to jump through. A lot of them have uh, lifetime maxes. Um, I've heard 20,000 is a fairly common one. And frankly, a lifetime max coverage of $20,000 wouldn't have even covered all of all of our treatment, um, our one round with IV. Um, and so you'll see a lot of these people playing this, this whole mental game of how do I maximize my insurance coverage? Um, of course, if we would have known or if we would have yeah, known we had insurance that covered it, we might have started doing things sooner, mm-hmm. if only because I think that was also another thing that, I mean, I think internally, I think my body was like, in my mind, I was like, well, we can't do this because it's so expensive. Only rich celebrities are the only ones that can do this. Mm-hmm. And so I think my brain just kept thinking, we just we just keep at this. We just keep going. Then it eventually will happen for us because we're not, we don't make a million dollars per movie or whatever. So I don't know. And, and that kind of plays into it. Like I said, you'll see these mental gymnastics of people going through, how do I maximize my insurance coverage? Um, what, what procedures do i need to submit to insurance what ones do i cover myself do i buy my drugs with my insurance or do i buy my drugs without a pocket and be cheaper out of pocket than insurance or are they going to eat through my insurance and not cover and and that's something that you very rarely think about with other health-based decisions um and you know but you hear people who even in, though they have insurance that covers infertility they still have to jump through all these things of how they can pay for um just so you know 12 of the states that have insurance mandates um are arkansas colorado connecticut delaware hawaii illinois maryland massachusetts new hampshire new hampshire new jersey new york and rhode island so if you live yeah arkansas of all the places that's kind of an odd man out Hawaii, there. too. I, I get Hawaii. That's I kind, guess, of, but, kind of far away to go anywhere. Uh, but uh, we could, if we could move to Hawaii, I'd in a heartbeat. Um, now there is a study that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine back in 2000 that said that the percentage of high-order pregnancy, those with two, with three or more feet, was greater in states that did not require insurance coverage for IV. Um, the authors of the study noted that mandatory coverage is likely to yield better health outcomes for women and their infants since higher order births are associated with higher risk pregnant. And you could kind of go into this a little bit more, but I think probably at the root of this is if you're in a state that has in its mandate, you're more likely to take a safe route and just say, hey, just implant one, uh, you know, during your, or your IVF, just implant one. Uh, and we'll hopefully that'll happen. And in states that don't have it, you're more likely to take kind of a shotgun approach. You're like, well, I might only get one shot at do this because I'm paying for it all out of pocket. So put as many in as possible. And, you know, from a personal experience, yeah. our well, doctor we were, said... We were only allowed two. Yeah, our doctor said you could do one or two. And, and we, we said two. Two, because we, we were like, this is probably going to be our one shot. And, and so when you implant two, two eggs, you get a higher chance of having two babies. It goes up, not dramatically, but it definitely goes up. So that's at least something worth... That is one thing. People always assumed we were going to have, like, triplets or some huge amount. And I'm like, nope, that's with IUI. But 
a statistic that um, kind of surprised me, and that actually surprised me because it's a little higher than I expected, still actually lower than it should be, that uh, according to this, approximately 40% of women with infertility have sought medical assistance. So less than half of the women out there who are struggling have actually talked to a doctor. Of those who seek medical intervention, approximately 65% give birth. Um, that's that's a big, big thing there. And that's kind of why we're saying if you're struggling, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not currently seeing a doctor about infertility, you're hoping that we're going to give you some some advice on some uh, medicine you can take or some herbal supplement can do it. Again, we're not doctors. We're not medical yeah. professionals. We're not going to say that. What we are going to say is go talk to a medical professional. They're going to know best about how to treat you. How to. And so if less than 50% of women struggling with infertility talk to a doctor, if we can help raise that to above 50%, we're going to do that. Because not getting help is basically guaranteed. Yeah. Um, there are going to be some people who struggle, 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 and then somehow or another miraculously have a baby. Um, but the vast majority majority of, of women out there if you're struggling with infertility your best option is going to be to talk to a doctor i can't stress it how important seeing a doctor and how important to do it sooner rather than yes um, anytime i hear any couple that's like we want kids but mm-hmm. and my first response is no but just start trying to have a kid because if you're anything like us the first time we went in to see uh well see a doctor about us not having kids I was 26 and we'd been trying for at least about a year or so before then I'm like a year and a half or so I didn't have uh, our child until I was 32 you know that's you know so I'm just saying anytime anyone says anything I said I would not put it off you're never gonna Mm -hmm. be it's never gonna be the right time just just start trying and then you'll know to go see a doctor if things aren't happening and that's kind of what I'm saying is don't wait. If you're wanting to have a kid and it's not happening a year, talk to a doctor. And if you are with that doctor for a while and it's still not happening, ask to see a specialist. In fact, most places you don't even need a referral to see a specialist. Most, especially if you're going out of pocket, don't wait for a referral. Just say, I'm a specialist and, and book your... Now, we had the extenuating circumstances of we lived three hours or five hours away from the nearest specials, right? Um, it was either drive one direction to Denver or the other direction to Omaha. And that was our only choices. There were none in yeah, central between. Nebraska. Um, but Does insurance cover if you go to a different... I mean, I guess it wouldn't be covered anyway, no, so you could go into... Now, if you're in a state that mandates insurance well, yeah. coverage, then it'll cover you you go. Um, now, there there are some things that are worth knowing. There are some jobs that offer insurance coverage for IVF, uh, even no matter what state you're in. Um, you can Google to get lists of them. Um, I don't know them all. The one that I know that's kind of the, for lack of a better term, it's kind of a joke. Not a joke. But it's an infertility, uh, infertility groups is Starbucks. If oh, you man. If you work at least 20 hours a week, at Starbucks, you qualify for their insurance coverage that covers infertility. So there's a kind of reoccurring, I, I don't want to use the word joke, but term in infertility circles called our Starbucks. You know, that the wife or the husband would get a part-time job at Starbucks and work 20 hours a week um, and and then get access to that insurance so that use that insurance to have a baby. So um, there are other ones. Uh, I hear some like... Uh, 
pharmaceutical companies cover uh, infertility, it would make sense. It would make sense that um, medical places like hospitals often cover infertility. Um, here in Omaha, I hear that Methodist Health, uh, Methodist Hospital offers, but, uh, but you have to be, I think, full-time there and um, a few other but it is worth if you're in one of the states that doesn't mandate it it might be worth googling and, and trying to find because you can find some information about jobs that offer fertility treatment coverage in their insurance um and while like i said it's still not going to cover everything no insurance ever does in America, but it covers a lot yeah. and insurance would have covered 20 percent you know that would have been huge Mm -hmm. so yeah um but you know like i said uh twenty thousand dollar maximum lifetime maximum and some of them uh wouldn't have covered everything but if you're in a situation where you don't need ivf you just need iui iui considerably less expensive um and that twenty thousand dollar could have covered a couple shots of iui um wasn't it around like $1,500 $1,500 to 2000 I, I honestly don't even remember. the. Uh, if you're listening and you're um, going through IUI in Nebraska, um, shoot us a message with about the approximate price of IUI. Well, yeah, because that would have been a couple um, of years ago, too. Because, yeah, ours would have been a few years ago, and we never actually did it because they hot-shotted us straight to IVF. Uh, some insurances will require you to do IUI before IVF, but... I mean, those are just some statistics I kind of wanted to talk about. Um, you know, this is this is a very complex uh, process, and we're not going to ever be able to cover everything in a podcast. And again, we're not specialists. We're not medical professionals. So there's a lot of ins and outs that we don't know. But that's why if you're listening to this and you're not talking to a doctor, you obviously are worried about your fertility. Go talk to a doctor. And if you've already been talking to one doctor and nothing's been happening... Um, there's no shame in talking to another doctor. We have nothing but good things to say about our doctor here at Methodist in Omaha. Um, Dr. Delaney uh, is our medical godsend. Um, and uh, But the thing is, she might not be the best for everyone. People are going to have a better chemistry with other doctors. But my point is, get yourself to a doctor. If you're struggling and you're really wanting to have a baby, you know, Figure out why it's not happening, and then make a game plan. Um, to use a quote from uh, The Flash, the TV show, because I'm a nerd, um, but there's a bad guy, Captain Gold, who says uh, something along the lines of, it, uh, make a plan, execute the plan, expect the plan to go off the rail, throw out the plan. Uh, and that's really fitting for, kind of for infertility. Just make a plan, start following the plan, Understand that infertility will throw you a curveball, but make a new plan and just keep growing. But get to a doctor. If you're not seeing a doctor already, get to a doctor about it. There's no harm in asking. Um, but this being World Childless Week, uh, I thought it was fitting. Instead of a traditional story like we've been telling, um, I'm going to read a poem. I came across it on Twitter, and uh, it, it kind of hit me hard. So... Um, uh, the woman who writes this, she writes it under, um, I'm trying to remember what her Twitter name, her Instagram handle is Poetry, um, and she wrote this uh, for this, well, I don't know if she wrote it for this week, but she released it for this week to talk about um, her struggle. Um, 
called Infertility by H.N. Baird. It left me behind, my place unsure, closed all the windows and latched all the doors, to leave me but peering at a scene so sublime, feeling empty and hollow for a life not mine. A framed in view, looking on from afar, my path now obscured, no fixed north star, guiding me toward the lifeline I thought set, but one in eight odds is not a sure bet. And so here I float, not sinking or swimming, a hellish purgatory, not losing or winning. I've had to regroup, change the dreams that I had, just sitting numb in the after, not mad, sad, or glad, words flash through my mind, a neon sign blinking vacant, when the doctors tell you, and you think they must be mistaken. First it's despair, turned to anger and shock, fragility, futility, capability, sterility. When you believe you are too young to trade virility for infertility, you cry for the motherless child, but do you cry for the childless mother? She tells a little bit of story about it. She said, uh, vulnerable moment here this week. World childless. In a world where we are working to normalize the hard conversations infertility has had has been my own personal. It's hard. It sucks. It's a struggle that many people don't fully understand until they've been there themselves. You say never a lot. I will never relate to women who experience pregnancy. I will never experience listening to the heartbeat inside me or other than my own. I will never get kicked from the inside by tiny f- I will never get to experience tying, tiny miracles in my body go through pregnant. I will never completely stop hurting or longing for all of those. I will never hold it against you that you can get pregnant, but I cannot. New life is that exciting and that precious. You deserve your happiness. I never want your pity, just your understanding when I'm um. I kind of talked back and forth with her about this poem, and uh, she said it came um, about as a result of going through a hysterectomy at age 20. Oh my. Um, and knowing that that she's never going to be able to do what she knows. And so for those out there listening and uh, going through this, send some love and, and happiness out to her. Um, I told her I truly hope that in some way or another, whether it's through... Uh, surrogacy or adoption uh, get at least a hint of the life um, but I thought uh, that was a fitting poem childless um, it's a form of infertility that none of us hope we ever have to and she's having to deal with it and having to be courageous for it so um, I thank you and Baird H.N. Baird Poetry on Twitter so give her a follow tell her that you heard her on Tility Bites podcast um, that you're sending love her way um but that's probably be where we start to wrap things up for this. Um, make sure to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash infertilitybites. We now have a Twitter. We haven't posted a lot on it yet, but we have a Twitter. I've, I've never been on Twitter. Yeah. I'm very behind. We're, we're a little old for the target Twitter age. Um, but it's uh, at infertilitypod. We have infertilitybitespodcast at gmail.com. All set. And then uh, on both the Twitter and the Facebook is going to be the link for how you can submit your stories to us for us to tell. We've got um, a kind of backlog of stories. We're going to try to uh, through them. But the more stories we submitted, um, the better. It definitely helps us. And I think it'll catharsis of just telling um, some really good stories coming up in future episodes already. But we're always looking for more. So submit your stories to us. Yes. Um, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, if, or if you, you have any questions, yep, yep, hit us up on any of those routes if you have questions. That. Or questions that you have for just because we only know what we did, but if you have questions that we can send out to okay. everyone. Um, if you are enjoying our show, 
a review on whatever platform you listen to it would be great most of them have some way to review um they really do help other people find the show and if you're comfortable sharing this on your social we understand this is a very personal topic and some people aren't ready to be public but if you are comfortable with sharing on your social it's also very much helps get us out because again one in eight couples are struggling might not be public with it yet and so if you think about your facebook or your twitter and you think how many followers you have there's a good chance that a few of them are struggling and not public and could use a little catharsis um but for now we're going to put a wrap on things for this week for those working hard at conceiving we're putting in a call for the baby dust fairies to visit you soon um hopefully they'll answer our call again um thanks everyone for listening and as always we're gonna let our little scientific miracle send us off with love and kisses <laughs> thanks for listening we will see you soon bye i love you hello hello bye 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 bye